This morning, uh, I am continuing on our series in the book of Isaiah, and we find ourselves this morning in chapters 32 through 35. And as you can see in your bulletin, we are going to cover much material. Uh, And we'll be here just past 3.30, so just hold on. (laughs) But this morning, um, I'm going to read from chapter 35, chapter 35, verses 8 through 10. So if you can follow along with me, but keep your hand in chapters 32 through 35. Chapter 35, verse 8. A highway will be there, uh, a roadway, and it will be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way. In other words, those who walk in holiness. And fools will not wander on it. No lion will be there, nor will there be any vicious beast go upon it. These will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk there, and the ransom of the Lord will return and come with joyful shouting to Zion, with everlasting joy upon their heads, and they will find gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the book of Isaiah. We thank you for the truths that we find here. And we ask that that which we hear and that which we would take in, we would respond to the word of God as it challenges us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've had young children and you've tried to take them on a long road trip, they don't do well, do they? They usually get bored and they start doing what? Fighting with each other in the back seat. <laughs> Those of us who are parents are very well aware of that. And there's always four words that you hear almost immediately. Are we there yet? Are we there yet, mommy? Are we there yet, daddy? It goes on and on and on and on. Now, my two, when they were small, Renata and Paul, um, my dear Renata, I love her. She's a dear little girl. When she was small, uh, the three words that I didn't want to hear from Renata are, my tummy hurts. <laughs> my tummy hurts. And I knew when she said those words that I had approximately under about a minute to get the car over to the side of the road because she was carsick and she was going to throw up all over the back seat. My tummy hurts is three words I did not want to hear from Renata. And she, I heard those many times on road trips we used to take. But wait, this morning we're going to talk about a better trip. We're going to be talking about the highway of holiness. And every one of us wants to be walking on that road. Amen? Now, why did I take chapters 32 through 35 and kind of combo them together? Because within this, this there's kind of a mixed bag of stuff that Isaiah is going to be speaking about. He's going to be speaking about things that have taken place during his time, approximately 700 B.C., and all the way stretch, looking up forward to things that even haven't taken place yet. And one of them is the highway of holiness. Um, 
it's not here yet. It wasn't, the highway of holiness wasn't there in Isaiah's time, and it's not here now. It's talking about a road that goes up to Zion, and there in Zion in Jerusalem is, guess who's there? Jesus. Looking forward to that. So I want to talk about who gets to go on the road of holy, highway of holiness and who doesn't. Well, at first glance, you think, well, Israel is going to be walking on the highway of holiness from the context. But also, if you look at the New Testament, Paul talks about those wild olive branches grafted into the root of Abraham. Who are those? That's the Gentiles. So Gentiles and Israel will be walking on this road this highway of holiness. But there's a qualification. Not all the Gentiles, nor not all of Israel, would be walking on that road. And so what I want to do, talk to you this morning, from the context, I've pulled together a list of six verses or six passages that speak about who goes and who doesn't. Now, you want to be Uh, the former (laughs) rather than the latter. Now, there's a little bit of, um, they kind of cover each other, they kind of of fit in together, so you'll see that there's there's similarity, but there's six verses, both for who go and for who who doesn't. So, why is this important to you? I'll tell you why. (laughs) Uh, Because you want to be walking on that road with me. And I pray at the end of our message that you'll say, Neil, I'm going to be there right with you. Amen? Okay. First, let's go to the negative side. Who will not be walking on the highway of holiness? Let's take a look. Chapter 32, verses 5 through 7. Who will not be walking on the highway of holiness? The fool and the rogue. Let me read. No longer will the fool be called noble and the rogue be spoken of as generous. For a fool speaks nonsense and his heart inclines towards wickedness, to practice ungodliness, to speak error against the Lord, to keep the hungry person unsatisfied, and to withhold drink from the thirsty. As for the rogue, his weapons are evil. He devises wicked schemes to destroy the afflicted with slander, even though the needy one speaks what is right. Who is not going to be walking? The fool and the rogue. Notice what he says, the fool, he speaks foolishness and nonsense and practices ungodliness. What's the difference between a fool and a rogue? Well, the rogue, he devises wicked schemes to come against those who are innocent. Neither of those will be on the road, the highway of holiness. I thought about a rogue, and you know who first came to my mind? Barney Madoff. Barney Madoff was a rogue, wasn't he? Some of his best friends, some of his closest associates, he stole all their money and left them as they entered into retirement with absolutely nothing. The fool and the rogue will not be walking on the highway to holiness. Second group, chapter 32, verses 9 through 14. The complacent, the complacent. Look with me, verse 9. Rise up, you women who are at ease, and hear my voice. Give ear to my word, you complacent daughters. Within a year and a few days, you will be troubled, O complacent daughter. For the vintage is ended, 
and the fruit gathering will not come. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Be troubled, you complacent daughters. Strip, undress, and put sackcloth around your waist. Beat your breast for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the land of my people in which the thorns and briars shall come up. Yea, for all the houses and for the jubilant city, because the palace has been abandoned, the populated city forsaken, hill and watchtower have become caves forever, a delight for wild donkeys, a pasture for flocks. These people were complacent, both men and women. And what were they complacent? They were saying, oh, that stuff about the judgment of God coming upon, that's never going to happen. Come on, everything's going to be fine. And because of that attitude, they were complacent and they did what was in their own hearts, claiming that, ah, that's not going to happen. Now, in Second uh, Peter chapter 3, Verse 4, you can write that down. It says, in the latter days, some will say, where is the promise of his coming? You Christians have been talking about uh, the second coming of Christ. Where is that promise? Because everything will continue as it has from the beginning. Complacent people thinking that the judgment of God is never going to come. And therefore, they can live their lives as they see fit. The complacent will not be walking on the highway of holiness. 33, verse 1, the next group. Those who destroy and the treacherous. Read with me. Woe to you, O destroyer, while you were not destroyed. And he was treacherous, while others did not deal treacherously with him. As soon as you finish destroying, you will be destroyed. (coughs) As soon as you cease to deal treacherously, others will deal treacherously, treacherously with you. This is speaking specifically about Assyria. Assyria had marched down the coast from the north to the south, destroying city after city after city. And they came to Jerusalem and they said, we're going to destroy Jerusalem. But guess what happened? They themselves were destroyed. They themselves were destroyed. Now, the treacherous, those are the people, and when we, if you were with me the last time we looked at it, those were the people who went down to Egypt and said, we got to look to the world to solve our problems. God can't defend us. We need the world to come alongside, which is represented by Egypt, to help us stand against the Assyrian armies as they come down. The treacherous and the traitor. Now, that had application during Isaiah's day, which was approximately 700 BC, but it also has application for today. Those who would seek to destroy Israel. Now, you're saying, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you saying about the nation of Israel? The nation of Israel is not God's people at the present time, right? They're just the nation of Israel. But if you remember Ezekiel chapter 38... The valley of the dry bones. The valley of the dry bones. You remember the, the question was asked, who, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And then God put the, put the bones together. And then he put the flesh on them. And then he breathed the breath of life. And the nation that was dead was now alive. 
Now, they're in the process. I don't know whether they're bones or they're starting to put meat on them, but one day God is going to breathe on them the breath of life and they will come alive as God's people again. I believe that Israel is an integral part of what's happening in the last days. And we're seeing the dry bones beginning to be put together. And those who would deal with Israel, those who would seek to destroy Israel, those who would seek to destroy the church, God's people, they will be destroyed. They will not be walking on the highway of holiness. Those who seek to apply the world to doing the work of the church are going to be frustrated. Years ago, I remember Pastor Chuck talking about people who used to come to Calvary Chapel and ask them, How, what is the principles that you're using to make this wonderful church grow and expand? And he would say, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I just teach the word of God, and then the Lord asks to the church, those who are being saved, well, surely there's some business principle that you can apply to the church to make it successful. And they were dead wrong. Because the church is not a business. It's a supernatural organization empowered by the word of God and filled with the spirit. And what they never knew was God had chosen that man. God had chosen Chuck Smith to win hundreds of thousands of people by both his his style his loving personality and those bright blue eyes. God used that man and he called him. And it was a supernatural work of God. It had nothing to do with carnal, worldly practices applied to the church. Those who destroy, seek to destroy God's work, those who seek to treacherously use the world to stand for what God is doing, they will not be on the highway of holiness. 3314 is the next one. Sinners and godless. Sinners and godless. Look with me. Sinners in Zion are terrified. Trembling has seized the godless. Who among us can live with a consuming fire? Who among us can live with a continual burning? These are the people who reject the teachings of God reject what God has commanded. And they're saying, I can't handle these. this. Forget this. I'm not going to. I don't, even, I don't want to even be around this. Sinners and godless will not be. They don't want to go up to the highway fully. They're not looking to go up to Zion because who can live in his presence? Sinners and godless. Next group is found in chapter 34, verses 1 through 4. This is speaking about the end times. Look with me. Here Isaiah looks forward for many years. Draw near, O nations, to hear and listen, O peoples. Let the earth and all it contains hear the world and all that springs from it. For the Lord's indignation is against all the nations and his wrath against all their armies. He has utterly destroyed them. He has given them over to slaughter. So their slain will be thrown out and their corpses will give off the stench and the mountains will be drenched with their blood. And here's why I say end times and all the host of heaven will wear away and the sky will be rolled up like a scroll and all their hosts will wither away as a leaf withers from the vine or as one who withers from a fig tree. 
Here he's talking about the nations led by the Antichrist who come up to confront the return of Jesus Christ. And it says what? Jesus Christ returns and he slays them with a word out of his mouth. The unbelieving nations will not be walking on the highway of holiness. Final group, uh, chapter 35, verse 8. The unclean, the unclean, uh, it says at the second half of the verse, the unclean will not travel on it. Now this kind of groups it all together, all that we've talked about prior to this. Do you remember during um, Jesus' day, when a person had leprosy, he was called a unclean. He had to be separate, distinct for the rest of the people. Matter of fact, he was required to cry, what? Unclean, unclean. This is speaking of all those that are listed. Separated, having nothing to do with the people of God. Okay. These will not be walking on the highway of holiness. Well, then the question is, what road will they be taking? What road will they be taking? Well, I looked up in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. You might want to write that down in a different translation. It says, these people will be walking on the road to eternal destruction. There'll be a group going on the highway of holiness up to Zion to see Jesus, and there'll be other groups on the road to eternal destruction. That's what Paul says. Well, Neil, this has not been real positive up to this time. Who will not walk on the highway of holiness? We have six passages that speak of those who won't. Well, then the question is, well, who gets to walk on the highway of holiness? Let's take a look. Now, in my younger days, I lived in New Jersey, and I was just learning how to uh, surf, and I was really interested in surfing. And... And Saturdays was my day with the kids, but Sunday had free. And I used to like to go halfway down the coast of New Jersey, the Jersey Shore, in a place called Long Beach Island. Anybody ever been to Long Beach Island? No, okay. Beautiful place. Good place to surf. And there was two ways to get to Long Beach Island. One was the local road, which you went from town to town to town with the stoplights and all that. And kind of like our coast highway here. And then there was the Garden State Parkway. It was a toll road straight down the coast. The only trouble was in the summer, on Saturday and Sunday, it was bumper to bumper, both going and coming. So what did I do? Well, I would go to bed early Saturday night, set my alarm, pack a lunch, and I'd be up at 2 a.m. on Sunday morning. I drive down, almost had the road to myself, just cruising along on the Garden State Parkway. Get off at Long Beach Island. I had a friend, um, Harry, he had a little rooming house and he would rent me a little bed for the night. So I'd get my board underneath his uh, porch. I'd store my board underneath his porch. Say hello to Harry and see you later. Spend the day at the beach. Come home at Harry's house. Take a shower. Store my board underneath the porch and go out and have dinner and then Sunday night I would go to bed very early and get up at 2 a.m. on Monday morning and drive up the coast on the Garden State Parkway be up there at 
at six o'clock, change, and off to work at U.S. Steel. Now, you're saying, what has this got to do with the highway of holiness? I learned how to use the Garden State Parkway for my own benefit. You and I need to learn how to use the highway of holiness for your benefit. Let's take a look. First group that's going to be on the highway of holiness is found in verse chapter 32, verse 8. Come on back to chapter 32. In direct contrast to the rogue and the fool is the who? Verse 8. But the noble man devises noble plans, and by noble plans he stands. Rather than inclining their hearts to wickedness and nonsense and plotting evil against the innocent, the noble man devised noble plans to bless the people. That man, that woman will be walking on the highway of holiness. Next group is 3315. Those who walk, speak, reject, shake, stop, and shut. What? Well, let's take a look at the verse. Um, 30, 30, 33, 15. He who walks righteously, he who speaks with sincerity, he who rejects unjust gain, he who shakes his hand so they hold no bribe, He who stops his ears from hearing about bloodshed and shuts his eyes from looking upon evil. Those will be walking on the highway of holiness. Now, as I was reading this list, I was thinking, you know, I think I've read something fairly similar to that. Let me read it. I'll just turn to it. It's Psalm Psalm 15. Psalm 15. Let me look at it. One second. Psalm 15 is right here. Listen. Listen to the word of the Lord. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Good question. Who may dwell on your holy hill? Hmm. Same subject. He who walks with integrity and works righteousness. He who speaks the truth in his heart, he does not slander with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, and we'll talk about that at home fellowships, Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. Now here, this is, I love this. He who does these things will never be shaken. That's a promise. That's a promise. How do you walk, how do you walk in this world? How do you walk in this world and maintain your Christian values? How do you walk and never be shaken, never never kind of backslide? A quick reading, well, maybe a little bit slower reading of Psalm 15 might be helpful. He who does these things will never be shaken and he will walk on the highway of holiness. Next, uh, 33.22, chapter 33.22. Those whom the Lord is judge, lawgiver, king, and savior. Let me read it. 
For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Why are these important? Well, think about it. First, the Lord is our judge. These people who are walking on the highway, they know that there is going to be a final accounting. It's called walking in the fear of the Lord. They know that one day, believers will have to account for what they've done with their faith. That's called the Bema Seat of Christ. You will be accountable to what you do with the faith that you have. The Bema Seat, there is a judge. And consequently, there is also a judgment for the non-believers. That's called the white throne judgment. There is a judgment coming. Secondly, the lawgiver. What does that mean? Those who know that there is an absolute right and there is an absolute wrong. In spite of the political correctness that is in your society and in your time, there are things that have always been right and there are things that have always been wrong. And those things come from the very heart of God. Their expression of his character. It says in John, God is light and in him is no darkness. Those who walk on the highway of holiness know that God is judge and lawgiver and finally and thirdly, king. He is, here's the question that everybody asks, who is sitting on the throne of your life? Are you or the Lord? He is in charge of your life and you recognize him both as judge, lawgiver, king, and finally, savior. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God that no one should boast. We're trusting only in Christ. In his death, pay the penalty for our sins and his resurrection guarantees that we have eternal life. Those who are walking on the Highway of Holiness, they know that the Lord is their judge, their lawgiver, their king, and their savior. Next group is found in verses 35, chapter 35, verses 3 through 6. 35, 3 through 6. Those who were hurting, those who were hurting, encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. This is 35, 3. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and recompense of God will come and he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy for waters will break forth in wilderness and the streams in Arabah. Those who are hurting, those who are hurting, When Jesus was asked, why do you eat with sinners and tax gatherers? Jesus said, I didn't come to save those who think they're righteous, but I came to save those who were sinners. Now, one of the worst things that you can do for your health is to be sick, but yet 
deny it and not go to the doctor. Not listen to your body. I had a friend several years ago, every time he was doing some physical um, work, and he was, he was an older gentleman, but he wasn't, every time he'd do some, some strenuous walking, he'd get a pain right back here in his back, right here. I thought, oh, I got, I got a sore muscle or something. And he would sit down and it would go away. And he didn't go to the doctor. Well, luckily, for some reason, they got him to go to the doctor and he had a triple bypass because the pain in his back was indicating that he had a heart problem. But he had a pain in his back. And he said, oh, no, I'm fine. He wasn't fine. He was almost dead. One of the worst things you could do is think you're okay when you're not. And that's what Jesus is. I didn't come to save those who think they're okay. I came to save those who know they're lost, who know that they need a savior. And unless you know you're lost, then there's no reason to get saved. So those who are hurting, those who are knowing they're sinners, those who know that God is just, that God is the lawgiver, that God is king and savior, they will be on the road to holiness. Okay, two more. Now, these two are just slightly different. Um, these kind of incorporate how you get on the highway of holiness, okay? But let's, let's look at it. First, 35.9. It says in the latter part, but the redeemed will walk there. Those who are redeemed. Those who are redeemed. Now, um, I looked up that word, and the word redeem, to, be re- to redeem something, is you pay a penalty, you pay a price for something that you want. Now, how many of you remember S&H green stamps. S&G's, S&H green stamps, do you remember those? You'd get those silly stamps and you put them in the book and then what would you do with them? You'd redeem them for something you wanted. Mm, that's kind of what Jesus did. Now, what was the price that he paid? Just what we talked about this morning. By his death, he redeemed. He paid the price. He paid the price for my sins. He paid the price for your sins and therefore he redeemed us. We can understand that. Now, I looked up the Hebrew word. It's P-A-D-A, pada, or something close, P-A-D-A, okay. Then, what's the difference between redeemed and ransom? Because notice what it says in verse 10. And the ransom of the Lord will return. Now, I looked up ransom, and it basically almost means, well, say uh, somebody is kidnapped, okay, and they're demanding a, Ransom, And so you pay the ransom to get the person back. The same kind of idea. So so what's the difference between redeemed and ransom? Because they're two different words. The word for uh, ransom is goel. G-O-E-L. And I said, wait a minute. I've heard that word before. And it's in the book of Ruth. Do you remember Boaz? He was the kinsman, the Bogoel redeemer. So there's a lot of theological 
gobbledygook, so to speak, about what's the difference between redeem and ransom. But you know what I think? This is just my own thing. I'm probably dead wrong. But redeem talks about the act. Ransom talks about the personality of the process of redeeming you. And who is Jesus? Jesus is our Goel. He's the one who did it. He comes and he takes us back. Okay. So we've looked on those who are not going to make it on the highway of holiness. We've looked on those who will. Whenever, most of the time when I go surfing, I go surfing at a place called Trestle State Beach, which is at this end of uh, San Clemente. And there's a parking lot up here by the freeway. So in order to get to Trestles, you walk out of the parking lot, cross the freeway, and down this long path that leads to the beach. It takes about 20 minutes, 20 minutes to walk that path. Now, sometimes I see people running. I see the younger men, they'll run that path. You know, why are they running? Because they're excited. They want to get to those the waves. They want to be in the ocean, so they just want to run ahead. I don't run anymore. <laughs> I got a bike with a set of, uh, where I can put, with board rack, and it takes me four minutes to get down there. <laughs> now, what has that got to do with anything? When I'm on that highway of holiness, I'm going to be running. I'm going to be running because I'm going to be excited. Now, I can't take my bike down that holy highway of holiness, but I'm going to be running because I am looking forward to being with Jesus. How about you? Maybe we'll all be running together on the highway of holiness, going up to Zion to be with Jesus. Plan on joining me on that road. Pray with me, please. Father, we, uh, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the joy that will be in our heart as we go up that road. We think about the songs that we'll sing. We think about all that comes. It says in your word, Father, that uh, the sufferings of this present world will not even compare with the joy of what awaits us very soon. Make that real for us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.